Chaos. Welcome back to the show, baby. We got Jake. We got Kyle. We are back for another wonderful week of football talk. What's going on, folks? Doing great. Looking forward to it. Just, you know, fresh off a trip to Canton, Ohio. Went out to the Fantasy Football Expo. Got to shake a few hands, hug a few babies, take a few pictures. No babies were involved, by the way. But you're uh, supposed to kiss babies. Whatever. I mean, I don't want to make it awkward right off the bat. You know what I mean? But, you know, able to meet some of our fans, our viewers out there was uh, an absolute blessing. Uh, if you had a chance to see it this past week, and we greatly appreciate you stopping by the booth. But uh, yeah, now it's time. Now it's go time. Fantasy football drafts are right around the corner. This is like the big time of the year. And a lot of people will say, hey, it's just draft season. You're not going to win your league on draft day, but you sure as hell could lose it. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to make sure that you are ready to go. But you kind so of sore. Yeah. Oh, I am a little sore. <laughs> uh, so full disclosure. Did you say me- your ass was sore? No. Well, I didn't stay in Kyle's room. (laughs) Shout out to Taylor. Uh, But we had a chance to play some football down at the Hall of Fame Stadium on the actual field. And me and Kyle feel like we're, we we act like we're 20, but we feel like we're 40. Kyle's not quite there yet, but he acts like he is after he plays Mm -hmm. sports. Uh, So yeah, that next day, Sunday, we were all hurting. We were very much out of shape for what we did on Saturday. I was hurting bad. At one point when we came back to the hotel, Kyle curled up almost in the fetal position on the floor of my hotel room. He just laid nice. there. <laughs> nice. Getting the heat and cold pads. Yeah, exactly. Good thing we had Dr. Ethan Turner with us. He gave me a nice rub down. He stretched you out at one point. Stretched me out at one point. Got down, you know, in the growing region a little because I was super tight down deep there. Tissue, so deep, deep tissue. Deep tissue. Deep tissue. We actually mm-hmm. got that on camera. So people are probably going to see that on YouTube at some point. Yep. They're going to see that. They're going to see some battles on the gridiron. Jake and I going back and forth. I don't want to I don't want to provide any spoilers, but I did not get embarrassed this year like I did last year. You locked up your coverage just a little bit more this year. Okay. Well, we're not going to give spoilers. But let's just say he's taken a book out of the uh I don't know. Whatever defensive back, you know, favors, you know, you know, pass interference penalties because Kyle oh, was all no, over. No, no, no. It was clean. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see on camera. The people can vote one day. Doing a little Steph Gilmore holding style that doesn't get called. I understand. Yeah, exactly. What do you say we go into the games? Because, I mean, it's wonderful. We got a happy trails. I mean, it, it basically was after our last podcast. James White. White announces his retirement from the NFL after eight seasons with all with the New England Patriots drafted fourth in the fourth round pick 130 in 2014 three times this guy's got some accolades man I got to round him off give this boy some respect man three times Super Bowl champion an instrumental player in that Super Bowl comeback versus Atlanta where he went he could have been named MVP I think he went 14 I agree man 14 receptions 110 yards receiving one touchdown he added six attempts for 29 yards and two rushing touchdowns he was a beast in that comeback uh, with Tom Brady his Super Bowl accolades records most receptions by a running back 14 most receiving yards by a running back 110 most points scored by a running back in 20 and most points scored in overtime by six his career stats he finishes his eight seasons 381 receptions 3002 or 3278 yards 25 receiving touchdowns adds 1200 yards on the ground 11 rushing scores 
Happy trails, James White. You were a favorite of mine. You won me some fantasy leagues because of that PPR upside. I got to, you know, even though you're a Patriot, I got to, you know, give you the kudos. I mean, first off, well done yeah. with all those accolades, Chess. I mean, you just rattled those off right you know, there. Uh, I'm ready, there, baby. I know. I can tell. Totally could tell. Um, is there Has there been another player? I mean, you just read off all those stats. And the first thing that comes to my mind is how great James White was with Tom Brady but he wasn't anything without Tom Brady. Has there ever been anybody else that has been so good and so bad after a quarterback has moved on? I guess we can't really hold that against him. He hasn't really been healthy as of late since Tom left either. But it just seems like he was, he was almost dominant with Tom Brady. I mean, every single week, it didn't matter. You couldn't really stop him if he got the ball. But in my opinion, it's just like if, if Brady wasn't under center, you never heard of James White. And I hate that because I love the talent that he had. There wasn't anybody better as like a late round draft pick to stash on your bench and to mm. toss out there and have PPR and full PPR leagues. Was and not we're going to win you a week, yep. but he was going to give you enough. He was going to help. That's what I'll always remember James White for is being the guy that always gave just enough. Yeah. Enough. That's just, a great way to put it. Just a Spend little bit off. more than a little bit more than the tip. You know what I mean? Just, just enough to get the tip. Yeah. Yeah. There was more <laughs> than the tip. It was juicy and everything. It was glorious. But happy trails, James White, man. You know what? I won't miss you because you're a patriot, but you know, you were awesome for fantasy football. And subsequently, we got to talk about Ramondre Stevenson, my boy, because He's apparently taken over this James White role, which, you know, I'm not surprised about. He's excelling by Coach Bill Bill Belichick, not only in pass pro, but in receiving. And I mean, this was the knock everyone thought that coming out of the draft last year, they thought, you know, he can't catch. He's too big. He's not fast enough. And after I watched that tape, did that scattering report on Headliner U, I was like, y'all be crazy because this man is actually a very agile human for being 230 pounds when he was at 230. He is a very talented running back. He's got some juice, got some speed. And with rumor that the Pats are actually shopping Mr. Damian Harris a little bit in the on the market, you know, this could be Ramondre's backfield in the next couple of years. I'm starting to like more and more what I see from Drake. I, I 100% think that this is the last year of Damian Harris really being a thing in the backfield, right? It's his contract year. They probably realize, hey, we got what we need in Ramondre. He's not just an early down guy. We can use him all three downs. Uh, so it's not like we have to, you know, worry about having this, you know, carousel of backs in the backfield anymore. Uh, can we count on Bill Belichick to really, you know, eventually go to a Ramondre Stevenson and nobody else? Probably not. I think there's always going to be a system here in New England where multiple backs are going to be involved, but that's still okay. I mean, we just talked about James White and James White was never the number one running back in New England unless there was an injury. He was always splitting that backfield with somebody else. So I don't mind it whatsoever. I I love the talent of Ramondre Stevenson. I still don't think that I don't think they're going to find a a suitor for Damian Harris really at this point. I mean, maybe if there's an injury or something that happens and somebody, you know, pays for it, but the running back position, it just seems like in the NFL is almost quote unquote dime a dozen where you can kind of just, as long as you put some speed in there, you can figure it out as long as your offensive line is good to go. So I think that they kind of just run him into the ground this year, let him walk, and then they got Ramondre Stevenson fresh and ready to go and and capable of playing all three downs if needed in the future. I mean, Ty Montgomery is there. They drafted Pierre Strong. I really think that we see a heavy dose, though, of Ramondre and Damien still this year. 
breathe, Kyle, breathe. Love me a little Ramondre. Yeah. Is that what you call him at night? <laughs> I may or may not have been bidding on several Ramondre Stevenson cards because I'm trying to get them before he has a fantastic 2022 and the price goes up. I believe in the dude. I think he's going to have a great year. Damien Harris is going to still be there, get some goal line touches, score some TDs. Not going to be nearly as many as he did last year. I'm not, I'm not thinking 16 again, but Stevenson in the James White role, that could be big. That could be real big. Now, it's weird because I don't think I've never actually looked at him as that type of a pass catching back, especially coming out like it didn't. It didn't seem to me like he was going to be a guy that was going to fit that type of role, but I'll take it right now because I know that role gets some work and that the pass catching options that they have there aren't super spectacular and someone that scares me away. I mean, if we can get Ramondre Stevenson closer to a 50-50 full split with Damien Harris, I mean, dude's going to be a, a top 36 running back easy, if not higher than that. Oh, yeah. If he gets that, it's 100% lock, I would think. Yeah. And with the dump-off capabilities that you're going to see from Mac Money Jones, Mac Money Jones, I mean, it's going to be unreal. I think, you know, okay, because they didn't use – this is the one argument I always say to people that say, oh, this guy can't catch, or he never had production in his past. That doesn't mean they can't catch, man. Watch how they catch the ball and then make your determination on that individual. He's got very soft hands. And for a big how man – you know? Because he t- – he, he <laughs> Because he, he touch, applied he the lotion. Me. That's right. <laughs> okay. He applied the lotion. I was going to say he touches me, but that's pretty wrong. But anyway, yeah, man, he's good shit. And I mean, you know, for, for a guy who's who's that big, and it's it's the light feet that you got to like about his game, and I think that's what translates in the Bill Belichick offense. And I do believe this year is going to be the, the split backfield. I really do. And I think there's going to be enough to go around because they still want to protect Mac Jones, and they still want to, you know, make this offense catered around, you know, the play action pass a little bit. So I, I'm, I'm loving life for both these guys this year. But moving forward, if it, it dynasty leagues, I think Ramondre is going to be an absolute theft if you got him where you got him. 100 percent now here's a question so we're talking about the the james white role but we're talking about the james white role with tom brady right and i don't know if we see anything like like to that level because even last year there was only 106 targets that went to running backs in new england now we know that that's not going to be damian harris i think last year he had 21 targets he's not going to be eating them up we no longer have Brandon Bold in there, who is the leading receiving running back out of that backfield who had 49 targets last year. Ramondre only had 18. With no Brandon Bold in there, we may not see 80, 90 target Ramondre, but we could easily see 60 target Ramondre. And even though it's not quite what the James White role is, I think he gets more early down work at times to spell Damian Harris than we ever saw James White get. So I'm I'm in agreement. I think he could definitely be somebody who creeps inside the top 20, the top 24 this year. And a lot of people are expecting it, I think, but they're not really paying attention to it, if that makes sense. Like a lot of people talking about Ramondre Stevenson, but his ADP isn't moving. So obviously people aren't doing anything about it. So he's definitely a name that once you get to the, the mid to late rounds that, hey, you need to stash somebody on your bench. I don't mind Ramondre whatsoever. That mofo is going in the end of the ninth round. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, and it hasn't really moved much. No, it hasn't, and I think that's got to be because people are scared. They don't know what to think because it's Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. But this this changeover, we know Bill Belichick adjusts with the the roster that he does have. This is one of his pedigrees, which has made him a Hall of Fame coach in this league. 
When was the last time we saw a, a, a full-time three-down back in New England? I want to say it's Corey Dillon. Is it Corey Dillon, Garrett Blunt? Did he play all three? Probably not. He No, he didn't play all three because that's when still James White was there too, I want to right. believe. Yep. But, uh, I mean, Corey Dillon was the last true three-down back outside of Curtis Martin, but I think that's even Bill uh, Parcells' days. That might be going back too far. But, I mean, <laughs> this is this has the makings to be because Strong is not a pass-catching back. Ty Montgomery is what he is. I mean, he's not going to be anything spectacular where everyone's going to even go run into the waiver wire to go pick up his services. But I think Ramondre, if he doesn't drop any passes in this preseason or going into, like, the first three weeks, I think the trust factor is just going to continue to increase and Dre is just going to be this guy that's going to constantly produce for you every single week I, and I don't I'm here for it like I'm all about it at that point where, you, where you're talking about all the ADP right. in the ninth round who else is going to be in the ninth round that's going to get close to 200 touches not very ain't many nobody. people if nobody if, if nobody. anybody no, in fact right. now I need to go even put more offers in because the more we talk about the more excited I get got to get one of those cards now see, <laughs> see what I'm doing I'm making you spend money man this is how we do but week one of the preseason, we got some big news, man. I mean, this one actually, Jets fans, you guys are wiping your brows and drying off your junk because, I mean, you Whoa. almost lost your franchise for the season. Zach Wilson, man, he makes a sharp cut inside in a preseason game. What are you doing making cuts inside? Go out of bounds, fool. But anyway, he avoids disaster, does not tear his ACL. It is a bruised bone and a meniscus tear. He's going in for some cleanup surgery. They dodged a bullet out two to four weeks. Sigh of relief, fellas, because the Jets offense could still be what we think it's going to be. 100%. Like, I remember we were sitting at the hotel, and all of a sudden, that, all that news started to break, and we're like, holy crap. Like, this is not good. Uh, and luckily, I mean, honestly, I'll, I'm so thrilled that it is not an ACL because I was all aboard Zach Wilson taking a step forward this year and really trying to, to silence some of the doubters that were there because of last year. And I 100% agree with you. It seems like it's not just Zach Wilson. It feels like there's more and more quarterbacks this preseason that are doing things that you do in the regular season. Like there's too many risks being taken right now. And I really don't understand why. I mean, didn't this go back to what we were talking about last week with Josh Jacobs playing and, you know, in Hall of Fame, Hall games. Of Fame like, game. It's the yeah. same type of stuff. And it seems like it's happening all over the place. Like, why are we risking some of these guys in positions that, that make no sense. I mean, we're hearing things now that Antonio Gibson's practicing with the third teamers and doing punt returns. I mean, it just seems weird to me that it, all of a sudden, I don't remember, and maybe it's just because I'm I'm old now. I don't know uh, that more of the higher echelon guys in the NFL are doing stupider things in preseason than we ever used to see. There's always been injuries, but it seems like some of the ones lately are just ones that could have been avoided maybe in years past. I mean, in a case like Zach Wilson, I think his just has a lot to do with young, energetic, first game back after a tough year last year, lots of expectations. I mean, with his younger guys, just, I mean, like you've got the the old savvy Tom Brady who's like, F this, like I'm not even going to practice for a week, let alone play like that. I mean, you got guys like that who understand and been in training camp long enough to know that, okay, like I just got to get myself ready to go for week one. And then you got Zach Wilson. Who's like, this is his week one. Like he's ready to go. He's amped up. He wants to head out there. I bet if we were five years down the road with him, maybe even one year, maybe even next year, he does go out of bounds there and he doesn't, but he's just, 
he's so energetic and ready to go. And he just wants to prove people wrong. And I'm sure he kind of wants to get past all this cougar stuff from the past few weeks and kind of put that behind him. So he's not known for that after his NFL career is done. Maybe that's why he has all this extra energy though. I was going to say, <laughs> maybe, that's maybe true. this is where it's coming from. Maybe he called maybe, it quit with the ladies some, for a while. He needs some more cougar love, man. Maybe, gotta... <laughs> maybe we need to find him more cougars. Hmm. Start up a petition. Who's yeah. going to sign it? We're going to hook him up once a week with another one. Just keep him energized. That's it. Keep that blood flowing so it'll heal faster. It's That's true. Me. Did you learn that from Dr. Ethan over the weekend? I tried not to learn anything from Ethan this weekend. It was That's fun, though, because we were sitting at a restaurant. Was it, what was it, Friday or Saturday night? Friday night, right? Friday, Friday night. night. We were sitting at a restaurant Friday night when it happened. And like, we're all huddled around Ethan at the table while he's watching it, giving us a full breakdown of this is what it looks like. And Ethan even called it at the table. He's like, I don't think he tore his ACL. I don't see anything to make me believe that he did. So he was like, I'm not going to tweet it right now or anything like that. Cause I, I don't know for sure, but he's like, I don't think he tore his ACL. So it was kind of cool to, you know, kind of sit there and learn a little bit from him and understand, Hey, this is what you would look for and see if the ACL had gone out. I didn't like that it buckled. That was my first uh, point of saying fear for the ACL. But I mean, because it, it would see him come back in from the other angle, from the other opposite end zone, you see his knee buckle in. But the fact that he was able to still launch off that when he dove, I think was the, the deciding factor that it wasn't the ACL. But man, oh man, those Jets, you guys got lucky, man. I'm telling you. But other notable ailments that we had on this uh, weekend of it wasn't so bad, but there are some injuries. Drake London hurts his knee on his first catch. And this was my biggest fear with Drake is, you know, the injury history. And I know it's not long and vast, but I mean, it's been there. And I mean, yeah, the broken leg is one thing, but the knee, I mean, I have big hopes for a Drake London. I'm hoping this is just another one off. But the knee, he should be okay there. The coaching staff is saying that he should be fine for week one. They'll likely hold him out for the rest of the preseason. But I don't like it. Just throwing it out there. But he did look good on that one play. He did, yeah. On that one reception, Strong. he he looked good. He made a, he made a good move there. He went to the outside, and he looked like he was quick. I mean, it's yeah. enough to – it's enough. I mean, it's one catch. Let's not overreact a little bit. But, I mean, it was enough to say, man, this guy, if he can stay healthy and get the targets that are available for him in Atlanta – he could be one of those guys this year that I'm not going to say he's Jamar chase, because I don't think that I, I wouldn't want to put those expectations on any rookie coming in, but with, you know, Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase and all these guys that we're seeing lately, this could be this year's guy if he can stay healthy. And that is a huge if, but he's going to have a great opportunity. I'm glad that he kind of, you know, avoided major, major injury here. Uh, but yeah, Drake London, he could be exciting to watch this year when he's on the field he's definitely a guy that i won't skip over in drafts he's not a guy that i'm reaching for by any means either just because there's so many other talented wide receivers within you know a similar adp but drake london when healthy and an offense that needs playmakers could put up some big time points kyle how much do you like drake london he's always sitting there thinking and pondering. i know he's it's like he wants to think before he speaks but that's just the know. only time he ever does that Desmond Ritter looked fucking good too, man. I gotta say, he looked he looked I, yes. better than I thought I, uh, he was going to be in his first. Do we think he plays this year? I do. I really you do. do. I, I probably. Think I, I think Mariota's on a short leash. I think it's going to be about four games, and then they'll probably put it Ritter in. Yep. Do you think this team is better with Ritter this year than Mariota? 
can I say that they're not any worse? This is why I was <laughs> yeah, thinking for I'll, a I'll second. go there. I'll go there. Yeah. This is why I contemplated for a second. Cause I don't think Mariota is a bad quarterback by any means. Nor, do, nor do I. Yeah. I don't think he's terrible or anything like that. I just don't think he's just not the guy to really push this offense to where it needs to be. So when I look at it, it's like, okay, do I like Drake London? Yes, I do like Drake London. I like him a lot. I'd like him better. I think with Ritter, but you know, the, the double-edged sword on that is, is Ritter really better than Mariota in, in year one? So like I could get, you know, Drake London right now and hold them and see what happens. And maybe Mariota does just enough to get them going. And then, you know, we turn around and say, okay, well, here's, you know, Ritter coming in now. And it's like, all right, yes. All right. Now we're going to bump guys up a spot. And then maybe Ritter ends up struggling as well. So I, I'm just not, I like the potential volume. I just don't know if the consistency is going to be enough where it's like, I can play DJ Moore from last season. That's kind of what it could be for me, where he has some big games every once in a while. And honestly, he's going to be consistent in getting you five, six, seven, eight points, maybe, but he's just, he's never on a weekly basis going to be a guy that's going to be consistent enough for you at a high enough level to where you say, I got to play him every single week. Can I say this though? Like, I feel like, no. Okay, well, I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> and this, I, I really haven't done enough research to really back this up. But like on the surface level, I feel like the offense from a fantasy football perspective would still be better as a whole. Remember, I'm only talking fantasy points. I'm not talking about winning games on Sunday with Mariota. Because I think that he makes Kyle Pitts more attractive in fantasy football. Where I think Desmond Ritter could make Drake London better, but I don't know if I can count on him to make Kyle Pitts better where with Mariota, sure. The ceilings may be somewhat lower, but I think he can involve both of those guys and make them both fantasy viable where I don't know for sure. If I can say that in year one with Ritter. I think that they'll confuse Ritter a little bit more because his accuracy issues have been there. So it's going to take him obviously more time than Mariota to figure shit out. But they're very similar characters, man. I mean, they both have rushing upside. They both have equally strength-wise and arm talent. I mean, none of them are have a cannon. I mean, Mariotto at this point, we can say on all throws would probably be more accurate than a Ritter. I mean, Ritter has his problems going, uh, I want to say, mid-cross. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, I think they're very, very similar types of quarterbacks where I think Ritter has Mariota beat is going to be in late game potential and mm-hmm. bring in the team back. And, and we saw it already in week one. We saw that all the time with the Bearcats. He was always in the game. There was never a point, even if they were trailing that you felt like Ritter couldn't bring the team back. And I think that's the difference in the quarterback is you're looking for the heart. You're looking for that metric to say, can he lead us from behind? And I think we'll see that in, unless Mariota has obviously changed his tune as well. Learning sitting on the bench behind Derek. Car for a couple of years, maybe that changes as well. But I, I mean, either way, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think they're both kind of a similar character, but I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Ritter play if Mariota struggles or struggles early. One, the one thing I will say about the two in terms of comparison, I think Ritter is close to what Mariota is right now, meaning that sure. his ceiling 
is much higher. That doesn't help you in 2022, obviously, for the most part, but it, they feel like they're very comparable right now, whereas Ritter has the potential to be a lot higher in a lot in a few different areas than what Mariota has ever been in his career so far. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I can. I totally agree as well. You know what sucks? Miles Sanders, Mr. Band-Aid. You guys talk <laughs> about Saquon. This guy is the Band-Aid of all Band-Aids. I am... Miles, you're hurting fucking feelings over here, bro. Like, stay on the field. Is it because he's just pissed off at his situation, you think? I don't know, man. You're pulling your groin in the freaking locker room so you don't have to play. Like, Miles, man. I mean, I was a huge fan. I was a big supporter. At this point, I can't even say change of scenery is going to help this man because he spends more time in the medical room than even Ethan Turner does, man. Wow. Wow. Uh, Probably not a false statement as of right now. I just feel like he's because even with offseason interviews, and I don't know if you guys have caught even caught even here this offseason, he seems like a disgruntled mailman. You know what I mean? He just doesn't seem happy. He knows that he's come out and said, hey, if you're looking for a fancy, don't look this way because that's not the way our offense runs. Hey, I'm not going to get the touches you want me. It just seems like he's a little bit more vocal and just disgruntled with his situation. And it kind of reminds me of a, Allen Robinson situation last year, like, dude, just, just, I'm going to sit here for the year. I'll, I'll give you a little bit, but I'm out of here. Like, I, I'm just sick of this because I think that we could all agree talent wise. Miles Sanders is very talented. He just hasn't had a consistent opportunity. Now, some of that is his own fault because you know, his body breaks down hundred percent agree, but it's also times where he's completely healthy and he's still not touching the football either. So that's what kind of has me, you know, I'm kind of wondering what's really going on. I'm not completely off the Miles Sanders bandwagon for 2023. For 2022, I am not interested whatsoever. But for next year, right. depending on to, to depending on where he's playing football, I'm not completely saying this guy is just some bust because I think he's been dealt a, a bad deck of cards. Agreed. I would love to get Miles Sanders as my RB4, but it's not going to happen. Because I would like to hold on to him in the event that Kenneth Gainwell gets hurt or maybe struggles during the regular season and we're able to get Miles Sanders a few more touches than what we had anticipated. But you are correct. And it's the same thing we've said basically every single year since uh, since I can remember. It's that... It's just like Philly isn't just using him appropriately. Now, I don't think he needs to be a guy that gets 85% of the snaps and basically all the touches because as we've seen, the body does, you know, maybe break down a little bit more. He might not be built for that role, uh, but I'd love to get him. I'd love to give him get him a little bit more involved in a Austin Eckler type of role that we saw last year, minus a little bit of the pass catching volume let's let's keep them around 200 carries you know let's keep them in at the goal line let's do some things with them in the passing game not anywhere near enough volume where he goes like rb4 but he's a guy where you know essentially like the first couple of years is where they limit him a little bit kind of worked him up a little bit i would i would say yeah i i just hate these things i hate these conundrums well he's in the sixth round right now right He's mm-hmm. 70th overall. Mm-hmm. So in order to have him as your number four, you need to go with four running backs out of your first seven picks. And I don't see that happening in most people's cases. And it's just that there's people after him that I would rather just, when we just talked about Ramondre Stevenson, he's being drafted 26 spots after Miles Sanders. 
I would preferably, I would preferably have Ramondre Stevenson over Miles Sanders. Right. Like to me, that seems a little bit sexy. I would rather have Tony Pollard over Miles Sanders. I'd rather have. I'm almost on the fence of saying I'd rather have Chase Edmonds and Melvin Gordon over Miles oh. Sanders. Oh, Miles, only because of far, where you the, can get look them. Look how compared. far. Look how the last the I last two <laughs> throw me off a little bit. I agreed. I agree with you. With the uh, I will take a shot with him over the other two just for the mere fact that their situations aren't really that much better. But they're three rounds later. This path to volume argument. I see what you're saying. Miles. You know what I mean? It's not so much that I would take them in sixth either, but right. like for where yeah. you can get them, I would rather just wait a couple rounds and take a stab. Right. Mm-hmm. ROI, man, based on path of volume. I get it. I get it. But Philly, man, I'm telling y'all, man, you guys watch out. It's going to be Kenny Gainwell and Kennedy Brooks. Don't forget that name, y'all that are listening. Kennedy that would not Brooks surprise me with Nick Sirianni I'm whatsoever. I'm telling you, Kennedy Brooks is legit, man. And, you know, there there you have, you know, the one-two punch you're looking for where Miles and Kenny are kind of clone-like of each other. You got Kennedy Brooks who can be your bulldozer and you can have Kenny as your pass-catching change of pace guy. I can see it. I can definitely see it. But Nick Sirianni is that type of dude. He is that type of dude, and he's mm-hmm. going to prove it. I'm he hates you. your fantasy team. He definitely does. Darren Waller, I mean, we haven't seen this man play, and this is starting to concern me a little bit because he's on a hamstring injury. He hasn't done much at all. There is great concern, but the team is preaching it up, saying, hey, he's going to be utilized in the red zone a lot this year. Don't worry. He's going to be fine. But, I mean, the Raiders were playing their contest, what, on Sunday night? And I saw Waller sitting at the basketball game courtside. So, I mean, I don't know what the hell is going on. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it. He probably had the team's blessing to go and watch the b-ball game. But, I mean, what are we thinking of Darren Waller? Because I'm starting to feel like I was really high thinking in this offense with a Devontae Adams, you know, with Hunter Renfro, I was like, damn, we could literally see zero coverages coming to the tight end, and you're going to be having linebackers and safeties put pinned on this man all the time. This is red zone appeal all day long, massive touchdown upside. I'm starting to get a little concerned a little bit as we're kind of mid-August here. I mean, I didn't really think about the basketball game. I saw that he was there, but I didn't really think much about it. Yeah. Until like you talk about it a little bit more, Like yeah. you would think that if he was really bought in to the team that that would You'd not be on be the, the sidelines. That would not be the optics that you would want to be seen with. You know what I mean? Right. And you're talking about, Oh, he's going to be very involved in the red zone. He wasn't involved last year, really when he was healthy. And now he's going to be involved with Devonte Adams. Like, come on, like I, we can blow smoke all we want to. And yeah, even though I do think that the Raiders maybe score a few more touchdowns this year, I don't see it all going to Darren Waller. They didn't go out and get Devonte Adams to continue to feed Darren Waller nonstop. I mean, I think it was just a couple weeks ago, maybe it was a couple of days at this point, Kyle made a video talking about Darren Waller and a lot of those targets, what was it, like 19 targets in week one? I mean, after that, I mean, that number like totally inflated the season numbers. If Am, am I wrong? Is that something? It was, oh, that's what you said, right? It was a huge Wait. number week one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a big, like, what do you have, like 19 targets? Something like 19 targets. Yeah, that, right? was, the, that was that Monday Night Football game. Yes, yeah. and like that yeah. made it look like, oh, yeah, he's still heavily involved. Dude got 19 in week one, and then after that, it was like, eh, hit and miss when he was healthy. So it just kind of leads me to believe that as much as I like Darren Waller and what he brings to the field, I'm not so sure that Darren Waller wants to be there right now either, and that's always a, a pause for the cause. He doesn't uh... – 
<laughs> well, we got so many tough questions tonight. <laughs> or maybe my brain's just fried from the weekend still. You know, Darren Waller is my boy. Balls to the Waller. He was kind of, he was the name that really solidified tight end whisperer for me. Cause he was the big call a couple years back when I was like, get this guy. Like, this is the guy you want this year. And the guy just explodes. So there's a, there's a, there's a place right in here. And for those People of you that can't, can't see, see I'm pointing to my heart, not my pants. Okay. Um, there's a place right there for him, but yeah, I had to list him on a must avoid video just because I, I don't know with him. If you take a look at the numbers, he's really, really, really been propped up by the volume. Now he's had some decent efficiency uh, in some seasons and he's had some eh, not great efficiency in other seasons. So if you're going to get Devonte Adams and that that's the thing too, like Devonte Adams, isn't going to a team where, He's got a quarterback like he's going to have to learn and maybe they have a couple of weeks. No, he's going to a team where he played for several seasons with the starting quarterback. These guys are already in tune. Devonta, I mean, these guys have talked about playing together for a couple of seasons now. Carr's going to Adams. He's going to Adams a lot. Renfro is coming off a great season and Renfro kind of fits in the same area that Waller does in terms of where he wins on the field. So, it's and Derek Carr's already come out and is a huge fan of one Hunter Renfro. Yeah, they so carpool everywhere together. He was the one, you know, taking Ubers, him to get... Ubers together. Yeah, him yeah. and Renfro and Adams, or Carr and Renfro and Adams were all together. In yeah, Uber. I mean, you know, Carr was pushing for the extension to Renfro. They wanted to pay him. I mean, this is like a tight knit group. Not that they don't like Darren Waller. I'm not trying to start some hot take rumor, but it, it there is very good chemistry there, and that plays a part on Sundays. I mean, even if it's subconsciously, they're not going to force a ball somewhere just because it's a buddy, but you're always looking for what you're comfortable with and what you know. And if you know where Renfro is going to be or Devonte Adams are going to be, those aren't bad options, especially when you got a teammate that doesn't even come to the game. Cause he's sitting at a basketball game. Hey man, if you don't want to be here, that's cool. I know a couple guys that do. Yeah. It was just an interesting look. I, I don't know, man, Darren, you're scaring me, bro. You're That's why I was like, I was just, I mean, just for his, I mean, his price tag isn't as bad as it has been in years past. Because the last True. couple of years, he's a guy where you know he's been considered right behind Kelsey as one of the next men up in terms of grabbing in your drafts. And this year, you know, the ADP isn't too bad. But when you've got a guy like Schultz behind him, who I do feel is going to be a big safety blanket for his quarterback, that looks a little bit more promising for me. Zach Ertz is somebody that I'd pay for a lot later than Waller, knowing that without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks, he's going to be a big guy for Kyler Murray. If he earns that trust even more over those six weeks, I don't think he's disappearing after that. So, I mean, even Dallas Godair, like if you're feeling fancy and you want a little Godair in your life, I love the efficiency from Godair last season. Can he keep it up? There's just, there's things to me there where it's just like, I feel like I can get a little bit better value couple of rounds later and in that round that Darren Waller's going you know I can just add to you know I can add to either the running back or wide receiver vaults for a guy that I feel a lot better about during the season see and Darren Waller Darren Waller for me because of the fact that what he's like fifth on the ADP right now for tight ends I mean that was a point I could say 
I'm okay taking a shot at him mid fourth, fifth round if I wanted to. And I, and I won't be, you know, hurt by that. But I mean, even you going down further, Dawson Knox, Pat Fryermuth. I'm good to stream my tight ends if I have to at this point, rather than giving up that draft capital for a guy like Darren Waller, even at this point, because of the hamstring injury, not just because he's at the basketball game, because he's not on the field, because of the additions that this Raiders offense does have. I don't know, man. I just... The more we talk, the more I'm talking myself out of Darren Waller, too. Yeah. I mean, like you just said, once you get to that point, you miss out on Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts. I have Kittle and Schultz after that. I mean, after those five, though, you're right. I'm 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 honestly, I'm just streaming at that point. I'll I'll use Albert. Are you okay? I'll use Irv Smith Jr. if he comes back and he's healthy. There could be weeks mm-hmm. where I would even use Noah Fant at times if I had to. Now, I'm not overly excited for the whole situation. With Darren Waller, I always tell myself to try to avoid situations where players aren't happy in their current situation because that's when you open yourself up to be hurt or disappointed and it's kind of panning out to be that way. And shit, I'm I'm even willing to go if Robert Tanyan's healthy off that ACL. Agreed. Give me all the Robert Tunyon with uh, Aaron Rodgers that you can give me. Give me Hayden Hurst with Joey B in that offense. I'm good with it. Hunter Henry in New England. He may not get a lot of receptions, but he's going to be using the red zone as well. He's going to score touchdowns. I mean, there's tons of other options. They're not sexy, and they're not ones that you're going to, you know, scoring 15 points a week, but they're, they're doable at times. They're definitely doable, man. You know who's not doable is Kadarius motherfucking Tony. He's seen a setback on his knee, and this is my problem with this man. On the field, he is freaking electric. He's explosive. He's going to be a highlight reel every time he catches the ball. But he's not practicing, and my trust level is even worse than it is with Darren Waller because, you know, everyone's all talking. And this this goes back to even my scouting report on Tony is that I was just afraid that his body was not going to be able to hold up with how he, you know, cuts, how he moves. It just soft tissue injuries galore is going to be his career problem. And I just, I think he's going to be one of these guys when he's on the field, everyone's going to be gushing over him, but we're not going to see him that often. I actually just drafted him in a league tonight, but he's like my wide receiver, like four or five. I mean, it's not like I'm Mm -hmm. overly reliant on him because like you just said, when he plays dude is like electric next level. It's just getting him on the field. If he's out there, in a Brian Dable led offense, I, I like Kadarius Tony. I know a lot of people still talking about Wandell Robinson. I get it. I still like Kadarius Tony as long as there's no way that going into week one, I have to remotely even think about starting this guy. This is like a this is like a retirement plan, right? You're you're planning for your future. And maybe by week six, week eight, week 10, maybe he's healthy and he can help give me a, a key win at a certain time. Now, I hate to roster somebody that I'm really like waiting on, but I think that he possesses the ability to win you a matchup by himself when he's on the field. He has that type of game-breaking, you know, ability. It's just few and far between, but if you hit the, you know, you know, play your cards right, if, if he's healthy and you got a good matchup, he could definitely be somebody mid to late season that could, that could get you a key win if needed. Are you laughing speaking at me? About, no, speaking uh, about Tony, did either of you guys see the training camp video of Kenny Galladay running drills today? Yeah. <laughs> today I he doesn't even he doesn't even want to play football anymore. The last one I saw oh. looked like it was me running routes. This one's it even was, worse. Oh wow. Yeah, it was there was like no effort whatsoever. It was like Jake. It was like basically us running routes. Okay, the good. Fame the other day. That's what it looked like. Remember when I said, I feel like I'm running a lot faster than I actually am. And then I watched the tape and it's like, yeah, you weren't running that fast at all. Yeah. 
like, like you watch the tape of Kenny Galladay, and if he thinks he's running fast, he's taking trouble. something. Yeah. Because, I mean, it was he's, he's it was, walking. It was bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing keeping me from Kadarius Tony is Daniel Jones. That's just it. Because that's Daniel why I'm Jones, crossing my fingers that Tyrod is somewhere in the mix. <laughs> wait, who? Tyrod. Oh, Ty God. Sorry. Do not be blasphemous, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Chouse, you're it's never it, until the day that he retires. I understand. I understand. Hi, God, Taylor. <laughs> I understand you blasphemous human being, but nevertheless, let's talk about Antonio Gibson playing on the punt team in the third rush. Oh, team. my gosh. He he fumbles the ball in this preseason game and they punish him for the rest of the week, apparently, because Brian Robinson been telling you all this man to this draft class. I honestly believe this entire draft class from the offensive side, even from the defensive side, we will be talking about this draft class for many, many years saying, holy shit, how many pieces were in this class that we can talk about? But poor Gibby, man, he is he's getting some disrespect from his coach, man. I mean, at this point, you're going to go Brian Robinson and J.D. McKissick style with Gibby being the fill-in. And if he drops another football when it comes to fumbling, I mean, I did a Are You In or Out video on Headliner U like weeks ago, Are You In on Gibby? And I was already out back then. This is even worse because the coaching staff wants nothing to do with him. And yep. it's still mind-boggling. I understand the fumbling issue. I get it. You don't want fumbles. But this guy is another way he's like Miles Sanders, right? He just hasn't been given a fair shake because he'll be given 22 touches in a game and not do anything wrong. Sure, he may not do anything flashy, but in the next game, he comes out and gets like seven or eight. You know, and it's like there's just no consistency. You're talking about a guy that had to learn the position, was a wide receiver in college and plays running back in the NFL. They never hardly involved him in the pass catching game, which is absolutely crazy to think that he was a wide receiver and they still don't utilize him. You know, they're in love with J.D. McKissick. They drafted Brian Robinson. At this point of training camp, mid-August, if you're with the punt team, that's not looking good for you either. Uh, there's just too many things. There's too many red flags that go up that there's just no way that I can. If you don't can... trust him at running back, why not just move his ass back to wide receiver? Yeah, I mean, Curtis Samuel's going to be hurt by week two anyway. Put him in the slot. Yeah, put Gibson mm-hmm. back in the slot. Why I not? love it. If, you re- if, if they really have that big of an issue with him, why wouldn't they try to get him somewhere else on the field? I mean, and this isn't like a regime that didn't draft him either. It's not like they've had a changing of the guard. These are the same guys. So it's like. And if you really like Brian Robinson and you like J.D. McKissick, this gives you that opportunity to have all three of them on the, in field the lineup. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I, now I, I do like Curtis Samuel, but like we said, he, he's not just going to stay. He's like Paris Campbell. He's not going to stay for all 17 games this year. I will not stand here and make you <laughs> bash Paris Campbell anymore. Even if he does, why not get all four of them? Why don't you get four guys yeah. on the field together? Put Gibson and Samuel right there in the slots. You've got Jahan Dotson on the outside. You've got Terry McLaurin on the outside. Now you've completely spread the field around. If Carson Wentz can't find an open receiver with those guys on the field, then he is the problem. But even Carson Wentz is going to be able to find those guys open. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm going to I'm gonna ask a question. You can tell me to shut up if this is something you're going to discuss later. Shut up. But oh, you, sorry, you mentioned what? earlier that this is going to be one of those draft classes that we talk about for a long time, even though it's not like always the big name guys, like with Brian Robinson. Do you put guys like Isaiah Pacheco or Pacheco, however you say it, up in that kind of oh, we're talking about, We're talking about Isaiah. Okay, man. so I, I, won't, I won't spoil it then, but it, I, I think I think you're cut him now. It's fine. 
It's totally fine. Because I'm thinking I about Brian put, Robinson as yeah. somebody who's coming to a spot where he didn't think he was going to have a role, and he's going to end up with a role. But see, I did believe that Brian Robinson did have a legit shot at a role on his team because he does have the multiple upside. He is a big body running back, but he can catch. He is kind of like unique, like a Ramondre in that sense as well. He's got the goal line aptitude. So he isn't that one trick pony that we have seen. Like, uh, what was that buddy's name from the Giants? That was that big bulldog. Uh, Brandon Jacobs. Jacobs like he's not yeah. Brandon. He's not Brandon Jacobs. That's not what Brian Robinson is. He is a nimble running back, even though he is massive. He can take punishment. He can catch the ball. So I think that's kind of what they want. Again, so you want to have that more of a dynamic running back room where you have a bruiser, where you have a finesse guy, rather than having two type of finesse guys. Where how many times we saw Gibby get stuffed on the goal line last year as well? So maybe they want to adjust in that scheme also. But I fully support the fact that you're saying put Gibby in the slot man freaking Curtis Samuel's not the thing I loved him in Carolina it just it, it's it's gonna pass I'm sorry even if he blows up one season he'll be injured for another two but when we're talking about this Pacheco man I mean I, the hype train Jesus man Twitter relax just a tad okay I mean it, it still is Clyde Edwards Hilaire Rojo the only difference is if Rojo does get cut because I'm hearing a lot of rumor right now that a lot of the analysts are, are talking and saying that they're projecting Rojo not to make this roster and then others I'm seeing are saying they might carry four running backs on this team uh Jerrica McKinnon being one the fourth one I'm not a big fan of Pacheco at this point I think he's a good running back I don't think he's the flash in the pan that everyone thinks he's gonna be as for Brian Robinson, I'm all in. I know this kid can play. When you watch his Bama tape, he's just, he's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And go ahead, Kyle. I was going to go off topic a little bit so you can go. I, I think it's just one of those things where you kind of hit it right there when you're talking about this preseason hype, right? And uh, even if you like Brian Robinson, you don't like Brian Robinson, people are starting to get excited about names that they probably weren't planning on getting excited about a couple months ago. And sure. I think that's where it goes back to talking about, you know, there's going to be some names that we talk about for years upon years upon years that, you know, we're not first round draft picks anymore. And, you know, they kind of fit into that mold where it's not the sexiest pick, but late in draft, some of these guys are going to have some value and I will go out on a line. Maybe it's not a hot take. Maybe it is. I really don't know, but one of these guys that are these late round draft picks, I'm talking about the Brian Robinsons, the Pachecos, the Zamir Whites, the Rashad Whites, something like one of these guys is going to pop off this year. It's which one of them gets the earliest opportunity for touches that's going to get it. And that's kind of going to be one of those things where you take a stab on one late and, and hope that you uh, you win the lottery. That was going to be my question. Oh. If you had to, you had to rank them in order of how they finish the 2022 fantasy football season with these three guys in order, Brian Robinson, Checo, and Pierce from Houston. Mm. It's an interesting question because Pierce is already starting to take the lead role, right? I'm not a big, I'm not a Pierce guy and I'll admit it now. If I'm wrong and he, and he blows up, then, then great. But, if we're going to say volume argument, it's got to be Pierce for me, mm -hmm. then Robinson, then Pacheco. But if it is going to be sheer upside, I'll take Brian Robinson over the three of them. No question. I think Brian Robinson leads them all in touchdowns. And I think that oh, could sure. eat up, eat up some of the lack of volume that maybe mm -hmm. a Damian Pierce gets where they're, they're pretty close come years. And I like 
the idea of Damian Pierce. What I don't like is that he plays on a team with a below average offensive line on a team that's going to be losing all the time. And still, even though he's, he could be quote unquote, the number one, there's still other people on this roster that are going to touch the ball with Marlon Mack or Rex, give me Burkhead, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It's just going to be one of those things where it's just an ugly situation. I think for Pierce, he's not really set up to succeed other than potentially getting volume in a bad overall offense. So he may get more touches. He may get more yards, but I think Brian Robinson gets more quality touches and more touchdowns. And that's a lot closer than maybe people think. I still think Damian Pierce probably edges him out at the end, but it's just based off of sheer volume. Uh, So just a a quick little sales pitch here. If you have not become a member over on YouTube, I'm going to be doing a members only film breakdown of Damian Pierce this week. Already recorded it. Got some really good tidbits in there. I'm going to be breaking it down and showing people why basically what you guys just said that he's becoming the lead back and he's kind of the guy right now, but we want to be careful. And I've got a few points on that. Can't give it away. It's a members only video, but I just wanted to tease that a little bit. Just, just titillate the crowd, you know, and I'll, I'll tease a little more because I know you'll probably talk about it too, but this man is, never gone over 120 rushing attempts in college football and that's a big red flag especially for me for a guy who's 5'10 215 if you have the body frame you should be able to handle the workload I understand the Gators you know they, they had a lot to be desired last season I get it okay but in this in this NFL okay it's week one of the preseason he popped off a couple big runs he looked good I will admit but I just don't foresee him being this guy that is capable of doing this over and over and over again without losing juice and playing in a Houston Texan offense with, you know, an uneven offensive line and an uneven offense period. I just, it fears me a lot. And I would rather trust the guy who's a known commodity who can handle the workload, who can be multifaceted like a Brian Robinson, but members only go check out Kyle's video. hundred percent. I will be watching it. Get it. <laughs> I don't want to harp on this anymore, but I'm going to have to because the Giants buzz the buzz out of Giants land. It's pretty big, man. Saquon is going to have a massive touch count this season in the Dable offense. We're finally hearing the words that I have been preaching and spewing all over all, all off season, all over everyone's faces. I'm all in, baby. Let's go. Saquon time, baby. So you're you're talking about he's in line for major touches, which means in turn, Chouse is also in line for major touches of himself because he is now super excited yes. about Saquon Barkley. And I gotta change I mean I my pants. I, I love I love Saquon Barkley. I don't love how he can't stay healthy, and that's cool. Like we want the workload, but is it gonna be too much to where we lose him after five weeks? And that's what I'm worried about again, is it's just do I you don't call know. here? Here's the thing. Do you call Saquon injury prone? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I completely understand the argument, but do you call uh, Saquon injury prone? Not really injury prone. I feel like the way, I mean, honestly, I, I blame a lot on the past offense and offensive line for just hanging him out to dry most of the time. Cause most sure. of the time when he touches the ball, he's got two defenders in his face already. So that does right. not help things. Is it better this year? I could, I could on paper, yes. it looks slightly better. Right on paper, like the offensive line slightly better, got the weapons on the outside, still not named Kenny Galladay, who's in in slow motion. 
Uh, maybe Dable can get him going a little bit more involved in the offense, but it's a bunch of maybes for me. You know what I mean? I'm still fine with Saquon because of where his ADP is at, but I can't be fine with Saquon if he gets higher and higher as the offseason goes on. I don't think he's injury prone, but I don't think he has a good injury profile. That's what I like to <laughs> fair, say. Fair enough. And that's that's a great way to put it. Because, I mean, the argument that a lot of people are saying right now is because he's injury prone. And we got to be real about this because the ACL derailed his following season. They nursed him for the four games. And like I've been saying this whole time, he, he was looking the fucking wrong way. Saquon, put your glasses on. And he rolled his ankle in the Dallas Cowboys defender. Okay. and And that was unlucky let's just say he does look like he's healthy can another freak injury happen to a Saquon absolutely and if that does happen then I'm out I I won't do it anymore because obviously he does have no awareness and I'll definitely say it that way too but I'm loving life because now finally you know it's nice to hear the coaching staff and the brain trust from the team actually admit they want to feed this man and when you're getting them at running back 14 good lord almighty my tv might need windex every single week but what happens if he creeps up to 12? I'm still in. Yeah, you still take him in the I'm first? Still, I'm, still, I'm still taking him. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. Are I don't know if I could do it in the first. Hold on. Let's play a game. Okay. What, what are you Googling? Hold on. Make sure it's appropriate. I can see your screen. I see <laughs> boobies. <laughs> that, that's not what Kyle's over there. That man was playing Galaga. What movie is that There from? was a nipple. I saw a nipple. <laughs> What are you doing? Pulling Clean up the ADP? it up over there. Clean Where's, up. This is a family program. Research. Where's ADP at? Under ADP. It's in our draft uh, guide. Consensus. You should look at it. Oh, shoot. You know what? <laughs> I forgot. We updated it. <laughs> My bad. Okay. Go in there. But I'm loving this Giants offense with Saquon with this old line. I think it's going to be good. I get it. Danny Pennies is a problem. We'll side note here. Danny he, Pennies. He is a problem. Is a, he's a big problem, and and I don't think Dable can fix him as much as everyone thinks that he can. I don't think so either, and that's why I'm hoping for Tyrod. I'm I'm okay with it. And then all of a sudden, all if right. Darius Tony is healthy, then I'm really excited. So, would you take Barkley over Alvin Kamara? Yes. 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 Would you take him over Javante Williams? Yes. 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 Okay. Would you take him over Aaron Jones? Yes. No. Absolutely. Would you take him over DeAndre Swift? That's no. tighter, but yes. You take him over Swift. I would. Be very careful with this next one, Chris. Would you take him over Nick Chubb? No. <laughs> now it's getting interesting. <laughs> now that's a that's a longer thought now, but I'm actually warming up to the idea because we're hearing that Deshaun Watson could be suspended for the entire season, if not a floor of 12 games. So with Jacoby Brissett as a quarterback, that's going to be stacked boxes all day long. I don't like that. So I would actually think about doing that. I would just like to comment real quick before we move on. Nick Chubb, don't give an F about your stack boxes. I understand. <laughs> Put people all over he the place. Uh, he Joe Mixon. Chubb's everywhere. I get it. Joe Mixon. I'd probably go with Joe. You'd go with who? With Joe Mixon. Okay. Yeah. So we found the I line. Think, I think that's kind of the line for me this year. Okay. Because there is that risk tolerance because of risk to re-injury, and I get it. But if if we're going to remove health aside, say that we both know or we all know that Saquon and Mixon are going to play a full 16, 17 games this year. 
are we saying that Mixon is going to outperform a Barkley? That's kind of where my argument is heading right now. If we remove the health aspects, I still think Barkley could do it. So would you, here's my question for you. So would you then, because right now, basically by saying that you're taking him over, kind of Mixon's that line for you, you're saying that you would still spend, like potentially, depending on your league, a mid to late first round pick on Barkley, correct? I could do it. I, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Would I do it this year? Probably not, but I could do it. Because that was going to be my question. Would you spend that pick on Barkley knowing that some of those other guys might not ba- make it back to you, whereas Barkley potentially would make it back to you? Would you move that quick on him or would you risk no. it and say, if you're no, drafting no. it like 10, 11, 12, say, well, I'm going to skip on him right here and take another guy because I think he's going to get here to me. See, and I couldn't do that because I think that's poor strategy based on where his ADP is at, because we're always looking for best ROI. And, and I think the, where his ADP is at, you guys are just going to love life when you get yourself say a Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift in the first come back in the second, and you can find yourself a Saquon. Now you're set up for just absolute glory. And I mean, I'm not even going to wear pants if that's going to be the case on Sundays. Just let it frick hang out, man. Fancy free. Okay, one more for you. One more for you. <laughs> Do you take Saquon Barkley over the big three at wide receiver? <sighs> now you're getting a little touchy. Touchy-feely. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. That's that's a little bit much too. Okay, so you're still going Coop Jefferson and Chase. Yes. Uh, Chase. Yes. Okay. Yes. So here's my question well, now: Would because... you take him over the next tier then, Diggs and Adams? I, I think I might. I really okay. might. I mean, Diggs and Adams are are very close as well, but those are those are now like extremely close conversations that I would really have to ponder at that point. But again, based on how strategy is going to be this year because of the ADP, there's no reason to do it. So if someone's going to reach on him in the first, where I'm getting what I want, Barkley in the second. Yeah, yeah, you can have Barkley, but I definitely want Barkley as my RB this year. I don't want to leave drafts without him. Jake's like, damn it, Kyle, stop talking. He's like, just let me fucking talk, man. Well, I mean, I have to come to the defense of my boy here real quick. Because Wait, which one? I cannot sit here and let oh, slander Chubb? of Nick Chubb go by. Nick Chubb. <laughs> because, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Because. Slander. Because you said that with Joe, Jacoby Brissett under center, he was going to face nothing but stack boxes. Yes, yes. Do you know how many stack boxes he faced last year? None. He was number two in the NFL among all running backs with 28% of his carries against stacked fronts only yes, one don't, higher don't derrick henry yes, wait wait wait, wait. where'd you pull that from player profiler stack front carry he's, stacked, he's he's stacked box proof i get it and i, I mean it's not because it was good for my argument damn it and i just stopped blowing it up it's the percentage of carries with eight or greater defenders inside the box Okay, NFL or NFL uh, next gen stats then is way off because that's who I used for my video the other day, and they had Ramondre Stevenson at well, number there, two. There may be like a uh, I don't know how many touches Stevenson had, but I don't know if it's on a base uh, a certain Maybe amount they of touches. Did like a cutoff, yeah, minimum touch base, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, tw- because they had Stevenson at number two at forty one point three five percent. Let me see what they says on here. Because they've got yeah, Derrick Henry at 36%. Man, they don't have Nick Chubb anywhere. Nick Chubb at 26%. Which is not what I said he just had over here. 
So NFL Next Gen stats has Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Melvin Gordon, Alvin Kamara, Damian Harris, Derrick Henry, Cordero Patterson, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Ramondre Stevenson, and Dante Foreman, plus a few other eh names all in front of Nick Chubb. Weird. I would, I would not, not trying to discredit your opinion there because I agree with you hundred percent. If you're still facing stack boxes 20% of the time and you're averaging over five yards of carry, yeah. you're very clearly you're a beast. Yeah. 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 You're very clearly a beast and, and pushing people down anyway. So the stack box comment does not, I mean, I'm all on board with it, regardless of what website says. I Who, just, I'm trusting. Do the we NFL. need to write a letter to these people and say, get your shit together. Cause you, you guys don't agree. Well, I mean, I've seen the the owner of that website in action before, and I don't know if I trust him with much. Yeah, he's it. he's kind of an idiot, but I mean, that's idiot. another story. Yeah, <laughs> discredit the, that human being. <laughs> but I get it. I mean, fine, my Nick Ch- or my Nick Chubb. I well, love I Nick Chubb. Want to hear about you your know, Nick Chubb? Saquon Barkley, man. Saquon mother effing Barkley. I'm gonna start swearing profusely in a second here good lord let's talk alvin Kamara time because the situation we see adam chef he comes out reporting as we spoke i mean we spoke about this last week or the week before adam chef kind of clarifies this i preached it in the video on my trends video saying the lawyers are doing a very good job in alvin, alvin Kamara's case saying you know they're going to continuously push out this case and until a video creeps up, if it does not creep up, Alvin Kamara will not be suspended in 2022. As per Adam Chef, it's highly unlikely that the New Orleans Saints find themselves in a place where they have to suspend or the legal suspend uh, Alvin Kamara. Now we're in a situation where the risk tolerance is dropping for Kamara and his value at ADP, whatever, 14, 15, 12, whatever it is right now his ROI is going to be through the damn roof. And I mean, we've talked about it last week. Like we're saying, yes, the added weapons, Michael Thomas is back, Olave, Landry, et cetera. We got Jameis Winston. I still believe that even with all the plethora of talent at the wide receiver position, we could literally see if no suspension, if no video comes out, Alvin Kamara could hit his first 1000 yard rushing season this year. A couple of weeks ago, actually it was longer than that. It was probably three or four weeks ago at this point. I was telling people I'm hammering Alvin Kamara at the end of the second right now, because based on, and like, obviously this isn't like an analysis, but based on all the legal articles that I had written, 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 read, read. based on everything I had read, it sounded like to me that the court date that was coming up in August was going to get pushed back. And a few of the articles I read even said, if it gets pushed back, we would not expect any type of suspension until 2023 because Correct. now we're looking at being in the middle of the season. There's just going to be another opportunity for them to try and get it pushed back again, which it probably would be. Mm-hmm. And even if a video did come out, just because the way we've seen the NFL act, we don't even know if that would culminate in a suspension right away. They would wait for the legal process to play out. So I was like, if you're drafting this early already, I'm hammering Alvin Kamara in the second round and I'll freaking risk it because you could possibly be getting an RB one, like top 10 at the end of the second round. And if you're drafting at the end of the second, you had a top of the first round pick. So your running backs are stacked. So you get there to the end of the second chouse and Kamara's sitting there with Barkley. Uh Oh, 
He already said he already said Barkley over Kamara. I'll take I'll take I'll take Barkley over Kamara. I just no matter what, I'm just not in on Alvin Kamara. I'm just not feeling it. I'm not his numbers have just continued to kind of decrease a little bit. And this offense is just not what it was before. He's been great. And I'm not taking anything with it, but he did it with a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees. He did it in an offense where there's no other weapons because Michael Thomas hasn't been there for two years. I, there's just too many other weapons and a new defensive-minded head coach to where I, I'm just not I'm, – I'm ju- I just can't do it. It feels dirty to me. Now, if, if he slips into the beginning of the third round, for sure, then I no way do I pass him. But at that point of the draft where he's going, which currently says 19th overall, mm-hmm. I just – I don't, I don't know if I like it or not. I just don't feel like, I feel like I'm buying previous year's production in a year that is just totally different than it has been in years past. Plus you still have that risk. Just like you said in the opening, if, unless a video drops, what happens if a video does drop? You know I mean? There's still that lingering out there. That's not my deciding factor in this. It's just so much as he's back to back right now with Javante Williams. And honestly, I don't feel like I hate that. I feel like at the end of the season, we could look back at it and see them pretty close together in the final standings and fantasy points. So I'm, it's not that I'm like against Alvin Kamara. I just don't know if that's going to be a direction that I go at that point in the draft. There's going to be other guys where even if I'm not going running back heavy, CD Lamb is sitting right there. Uh, Aaron Jones is sitting right there. Tyreek Hill, Saquon Barkley is sitting right there. Those are all just guys that I would probably take over Alvin Kamara at the point where he's currently at. But that's just can't hate it. Can't I don't hate it. I don't I don't want to take the risk. I am very risk adverse. It is to it drafts. is very risky. I will say the risk level is high on Camara this year. There's no question about that. It reminds but, me of four seasons, three seasons ago. And I would like to preface this before anybody comments. Completely different situations, legally, ethically, things of that nature. But when Tyreek Hill was facing suspension. And everyone was sitting around trying to figure out what would happen. It was one of those risks that a lot of people took. And if you took the risk, he probably ended up helping you towards the championship just because he was going. Now, if I remember correctly, Tyreek Hill was going more of like a fifth or sixth round pick, which is more of a hammer at that point. If Kamara was going in the fifth or sixth round, absolutely. I don't think any of us would be sitting here debating this right now. We would probably be saying, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a shot at him. But it's kind of the same thing. It's like, all right, it's a risk. It could blow up in my face. But if that's the case, like for me, then it's like you need to make sure that you get the handcuff. You need to make sure that you grab one or two of the Saints running backs. And yes, it is going to waste a roster spot right away. But as things play out, we get closer to the season, work your waiver wire, grab some guys that are a little bit stronger that end up popping up. Maybe the clear number two does show up in New Orleans. You just keep that one and get rid of the other one. We've got a little bit of time here because at this point, we're close enough to the season that we're heading more towards a, it's not guaranteed yet, but we're heading more towards a, hey, he's going to at least start the year, which will give you some time to figure things out. Don't forget they lost their starting left tackle as well. Taron Armstead's now in Miami. So that's yep. like another thing too that I just I just can't. It just seems like I'm I'm hoping to get the, the previous year's results. And I just don't I don't think it happens this year. It all depends on James Winston for me. If he airs it out mm-hmm. and he's looking good, I mean, even if he gives you the 30-30 numbers that he had in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. uh, that you know, even if that's enough for you to roll your eyes at Jameis Winston, if 
he's that inconsistent passing, they might say F the run game. We're just going to make sure that we lock down the pass and Jameis Winston's going to make a mistake at some point in time. And we're going to take advantage of it. And that just gives Kamara a little extra room to run. And, you know, maybe he's not going for 85, 90 yards a game. Maybe it's more towards, you know, 65, 70, but add in some of the passing and, you know, scoring some touchdowns and, you know, now we got a guy that if you took him at the end of the second, he at least returns value. Maybe he's not as as great as we thought he was going to be, but he hit value at that point in time. You know, when it comes to the point of this New Orleans Saints offense, where now instead of path to targets, path to volume, we got to view it as path to efficiency because this offense is definitely loaded better than what we even seen in a lot of Drew Brees days because it was Michael Thomas, because it was Alvin Kamara as the one, two. And that's why, because he was so loaded with touches that he was just going to instantly return the value because of that this year, it's a little different because, and I love offenses that can do this. I'm not saying new Orleans is going to do it, but when you have that many weapons on the offensive side, it, it creates headaches for the defense to manufacture ways to cover everything. And, and that's where I start to dive into the analysis to say, well, how is this going to work weekly? We won't know until the season begins. And that's when it's going to happen probably around week two, three. And you start to say, okay, shit. Now they actually have something working here. And this is with many teams, not just new Orleans, but I kind of feel like that's going to be new Orleans. Yes. Is there going to be growing pains because of the new coach? No, no more Sean Payton, hundred percent. I'm not even going to question that. I think there is going to be problems. Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Watson, uh, Jameis uh, Winston needs to, obviously stay healthy and, and throw the ball, you know, precisely and not turn the ball over. But I don't know the value for where he is, man. If it's end of the second round, I definitely, I think I'd be in on that as well, depending on, on how I want to build my roster and what's on the board later on. But Alvin Kamara to me, the risk I'm, I'm okay to take at the end of the second round. I, and I, and I understand why you won't Jake, because the risk is extremely high this year. And I completely understand, but my, I'm okay my one caveat to that of where I would take him in the second is if I was so late in the second that I know I was going to come back around and I could get Zeke in the third. There you go. Head then all of a sudden I know that I have yep. my safer floor guy that I can get a little bit later that people are off on. Then I can yep. afford to take the risk on Kamara. Then I'm okay with it. Yeah. And hedging your bets that way is absolutely perfect strategy to do that as well. So I don't hate that either, but these Pittsburgh Steelers, man, we got to talk. Did you guys see George Pickens catching that end zone? Good yes. Lord almighty. I think, you know, I'm seriously going to have to get tested for my sperm count because there's going to be nothing left, man. Everything is just spewing out the hose. And I mean, good Lord, that catch was phenomenal. If you guys missed it, he went three of five, 43 yards and that glorious toe drag swag in the back of the end zone. And I believe Mason Rudolph threw that ball, man. It wasn't even Kenny Pickett. So good Lord, man, this receiving core in Pittsburgh. I know we've talked about them a lot, but I just want to, you know, George Pickens, man, he just continues to gain steam, gain steam, alpha appeal. I'm loving life with George Pickens, too. Yeah, Pickens is the truth. Like, he is he is legit. He's like, like we've said, though, for a couple of weeks, the dude's got to corral some of that emotion because at some point it's going to backfire on him and it's going to negate some of the good that he does. But when it comes to wide receiver talent wise, dude, dude has it there in Pittsburgh. Well, it was kind of the conversation built around why would they pay Deontay Johnson, which they did end up paying Deontay Johnson. Oh, I mean, we great. talked about it quite a bit on this pod here about why they would pay him. But the good news is, is they paid him basically to be there for two more years. So there's, I mean, Pickens at this point to me, I think Pickens could become the wide receiver too there this year. Mm. And he bumps Claypool. 
I agree. I think that's just how, even if they put Claypool in the slot, that's a great mismatch for them anyway. I think who suffers here the most is probably Pat Fryermuth. Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Cause once they get in the red zone, they got a, an alpha wide receiver that can make the contested 50 50 catches in the back of the end zone. That's it. Well, it's I mean, they've got two up. big bodied wide receivers because Claypool, Claypool can, can do it, it too. too. Yep. yep. And Jesus, man, you add Fryermuth tight in there, they're going to be like freaking trees up there now they're gonna be very difficult to defend mitchy biscuits is gonna he's gonna be a pro bowler this year mitchy biscuits he can't screw this mitchy <laughs> if biscuits, mitchy biscuits is a pro bowler this year i will eat my under no i'm kidding I'm not <laughs> be careful be careful <laughs> we're, we're talking Najee harris sticking with those steers i mean so they're really looking for this is an interesting topic because they were looking for their backup running back anthony mcfarland clearly isn't the guy uh, benny snell is not the guy as well jalen warren he started taking some first team reps this past week. And I was talking about this guys from Oklahoma state. If you guys don't know last year, 256 uh, attempts, 12, 16 yards and 11 touchdowns. He is more than this. He's five, eight. That's, that's why he fell on the draft. If he was like five, 10, the two fifteen that he's at, he would have definitely risen up boards, but I truly believe they said they want to kind of limit the overall touches that Najee's getting this year. And I don't think I hate that because 400 is you're going to kill this man, especially in an offense with an offensive line that we always preach isn't great. You know, we don't know what Mitchie biscuits is really going to do. We, we don't know what Kenny Pickett is just yet. So, you know, they're going to try to run this ground game. So the reason why I bring up Jalen Warren, just keep your eye on him right now. And, and, and that to me is the best advice I can give you. If you are in dynasty, put him on your team right now. If he is still on that waiver wire, because Number one, if Najee finds his way into the medical room, he's uh, Jalen Warren is going to be not Najee Harris, but he's not, he's going to run extremely well for you. And he could uh, potentially be one of the better handcuffs in all of redraft fantasy this year. Yeah, I agree. They have to limit the touches 381 total last year. is not something that is sustainable, but I think we kind of just talked about a person that's going to take his touches away as well. We're talking about Pickens. I mean, Najee had 94 targets last year. I don't think we see 94 target Najee anymore. Like I don't, Agreed. I think that was because big Ben couldn't stay in the pocket upright long enough to throw the ball deep down the field. So he was constantly checking it down to Najee where I don't think we have that trouble now. And then you add George Pickens. I think more of the limited touches come in the passing game and he's still heavily utilized on the ground. And then other guys on the depth chart. Yeah, you're right. Benny Snell, not, not exciting. Anthony McFarland, no way. Uh, I think they're really limited to a Najee injury. And without the Najee injury, there's just not 100%. They're not going to be touching the ball a whole lot. Najee's still going to be one of the top options in this offense. What's Najee's floor? In attempts or yards? Just finish at the end of the season for a fantasy. Floor? Top five. I was going to say eight. Yeah. As a floor. So you think, Chris, you think he's oh, as top a floor. five? Sorry, that's a ceiling. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. That's a ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like so like floor, because we're talking about him potentially losing targets, and targets were a big path for him last year because he was not efficient. That was a bad offensive line. He was not great last year. Uh, you know, I talked about him in a video the other day where I said, who could be the next 1.01? And I pinpointed him, and I said, he could be. He could be the 1.01 next year for sure if he gets that volume again, but he's going to have to be efficient with it as well. Cause I mean, he didn't break off long yards. He did a decent job of breaking tackles, but even when he broke tackles, he got hit almost immediately after that. So if we start taking away that volume in the passing game, I mean, 
you spend a middle. Uh, that's why I'm taking Joe Mixon over him right now, because everyone's like, oh, passing game work, passing game work. That's fine. But Mixon has a chance to be the most efficient he's ever been in his career and one of the most efficient running backs in all the league this year, because he has one of the best offensive lines. He's got all the weapons around him and he's got a quarterback that can sling it all over the place. There's two things right there that the Steelers don't have. It's the quarterback and it's the great offensive line. That is my concern. And that's why I've been so hesitant to spin picks on a Najee Harris this season. Here's a good question. So when you asked that question, I said eight or so. Like ran that eight to 10 range mm-hmm. last year. Najee finished running back four and half PPR scoring and was 50 points higher than the eighth uh, finishing running back 50 points. So if he were to lose 400 total yards and half of his receiving work, he's still sitting right there in that eight to 10 range. And I still think that that's, that's kind of going to be what the floor is because the volume is still going to be there. Nobody's going to take away the goal line touchdowns. And I feel like he's going to have an, opportunity maybe for less yards this year but more touchdowns because the offense is going to get them in more positions to score points mm-hmm. and i could see that based on the receiving core making plays after the catch and mm-hmm. then moving this offense that way so i mean mike tomlin is a very smart individual and he's gonna he's gonna be emphatic with not only can Deontay be the guy over the middle and make plays after catch George Pickens is very good at that Claypool when he gets a ball in his hands he can go deep he can run it too so I think that could be the evolution of this Pittsburgh Steelers offense this season is more yards after the catch from their wide receivers which also will help Najee Harris but yeah I mean top 10 finish I think definitely is is safe for Najee I would agree though that the ceiling is higher for Joe Mixon sure Yep. Just due to the straight offense that he's in and the opportunity he's going to have behind maybe one of the best offensive lines in football. DeAndre Swift or Najee this year? I'll go Najee still, only because I don't trust the Lion. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Kyle. The Lion. I, I want to trust the Lions. <laughs> I just can't. I, so do I. I just do can't. We really think, do we think Detroit's offensive line is better? 100%. 100%. Absolutely. I don't trust Dan Campbell to give the ball to DeAndre Swift enough. That's my biggest thing. And it's not that I, and that's the key point there. It's not that I don't trust Campbell to run the ball enough. Jamal Williams is going to get touches. Yes. And (laughs) I mean, if you've watched the the first episode of hard knocks, and this is something I said last year, he loves Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a Dan Campbell type of player. Like you Mm -hmm. saw that in week one of hard knocks. That was something we talked about last year. Absolutely. And that, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I've been very careful with Swift this year as well. Look at last year. There's a lot of times where Swift wouldn't even get touches until the second half of the ball game when it was too late. And then they dump off like four or five passes to him and he'd make some things happen. But you sat there and sweat for three and a half quarters because he never touched Mm -hmm. the football. Jamal Williams and the way he's like a leader on this team is exactly like you said it, a Dan Campbell type of guy. And he's going to touch the football. Yeah, agreed. It's a tough People are blowing me up in the chat. Uh Uh-oh. Why? Because I have the members only live stream. I set it for 1015, then I pushed it back to 1030. And everyone's like, what (laughs) in the world is going on? That's right. We're recording the pod, people. We're just entering hour number two, man. Let's go for three. (laughs) Let's do this. You'll have to wait till till the midnight hours. That's right. That's it, man. You know, we got lots of football coming anyway, man. It was just week one of the preseason. I'm excited. We didn't get time to talk about my boy Khalil Shakir, but he looked damn good as well, man. Five for five for 92. Good Lord. Things are looking up this season. I love life, but boys, (laughs) 
It's always a pleasure. Yeah, a lot, a lot of fun. Now we get into go time, right? We talked about at the beginning. Uh, a lot of a lot of news going to be happening here in the coming weeks, and then we kick off the season. Looking forward to it. Just a quick reminder. Uh, if you haven't already, Kyle just mentioned a members only listener league. We're doing that. Go over to YouTube, go into the channel. There's a blue join button just below the banner. You can join, become a member for as little as $4.99 a month. And we're dropping listener league links right now. And they're drafting at the end of this week. So you got to get in quick. Plus, once you enter a new league here on Fantrax, you're going to be entered into their giveaway. They're giving away a ticket to a game of your choice for you and your 11 league mates and up to $6,000 in cash. So sign up for that free account there. Use the referral code headliners and come uh, come play against us in the listener league. And I also Good say, Lord. too, that if you're listening to the pod right now and you haven't done so, five stars and leave a review, please. Mm-hmm. This podcast is absolutely flying up the charts. And we're doing better numbers now than we did at any time since we've started. And we we thank you very much for that support. But, yeah, hit that, hit that five-star review and let's continue to grow. You know, this is what we do, baby, but nevertheless. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in to all listeners. Thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.